0: Welcome to the Ardent Archives, a ministry of North Clay Baptist Church. Here we explore the writings of church history in order to edify and equip the saints in their ongoing discipleship. During this series, we are reading and discussing On the Incarnation by Athanasius of Alexandria. In this small volume, Athanasius expounds on the truths of Christ's incarnation with great precision and clarity. Written in the 4th century AD, there have been few works since that time that have come close to being as rich and concise in their explanation of this vital doctrine. So sit back and prepare to have your heart and mind engaged as we dive into On the Incarnation by Athanasius of Alexandria. Hello again, and welcome to the Ardent Archives. Here we are reading and discussing On the Incarnation uh, by Athanasius of Alexandria. I am your host, Drew Bieber, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Pastor Josh McDaniel. Uh, now, in our previous discussion, we uh, had, had gone through a bit of an introduction uh, to the podcast, an introduction to uh, Josh and I as, as the hosts, and then also just an introduction to Athanasius himself. Um, and we learned uh, a few things about uh, his life. Uh, about the Arian controversy, and, and one of the things that uh, we made sure to do was sort of elevate Athanasius as, a, uh, as an example of what it means to, to stand on the truth, uh, come what may, to, to stand for the truths of the Scriptures, to stand for um, what God has laid out in His Word despite what the culture around us does, despite what perhaps maybe even other brothers and sisters in the faith um, and even those uh, who are false brothers and sisters in the faith may may level against us. Uh, and and we even learned a little bit of Latin, right? That's Athanasius, right. contra mundum, right. uh, Athanasius it's, against the world.
1: It's worth noting as well that uh, the fight that we're talking about they had with the Arian controversy that took place years, probably ten, fifteen years, and and on in longer than that after he wrote this book right and he was still proclaiming the same truths to the uh, arians to the controversy at the time that he proclaims in the book that we've been reading and it's it's remarkable again that the truth was never exhausted uh and this faithful uh, brother in Christ never fatigued of proclaiming this truth. Right, right. And and like I said, just what an example
0: we have, uh, especially in our modern day. Uh, we, we see uh, Christianity is facing uh, just all manner of ungodliness in the culture. And it's very easy to capitulate and to say, you know, uh, we'll give a little here and we'll give a little there. But when we look at uh, the example of Athanasius, I think we should be emboldened to say, no, uh, like Luther, here I stand, and I can do no other than proclaim the truths of, right. of the scriptures right and so we 're going to be jumping into the book now in our uh, in our discussions um, and and what we see when we first open the book is that uh, chapter one uh, Athanasius begins with creation and the fall, um, and it 's interesting uh, we 're talking about the incarnation of Christ, and yet he starts with creation and the fall, why? Why does he start there?
1: Yeah, it is. A, it is. It does seem to be a strange starting place when we think of the incarnation, or at least when I think of the incarnation. Uh, my first thought goes to. The Christ Child being born, right? You, my, my thoughts yeah. go yes to 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 Joseph and Mary and her child and the journey to Bethlehem and and my mind goes to there being no room for them in the inn and 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 shepherds show up. I mean that's that's where I go to. And instead, he starts off with creation and the right. fall, which happens in Genesis. Nowhere near Matthew, at least when you're going through it, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. It's a completely different part of the scripture, Old Testament to New Testament. Why start there? And uh it's it is remarkable that he starts in that place because he has to, he has to begin a foundation that this is going to be a biblical exercise. It's not gonna be he's not gonna be playing to emotions. He's not going to be playing to those fuzzy warm feelings that maybe we get. No, this is a biblical exercise. And so if we're going to take a biblical look at the incarnation, we have to start where the Bible starts. And that's at the beginning. Right. That's at the creation. That's at the fall. And by seeing creation and by seeing the fall, we understand not necessarily the hows of the incarnation, but we understand the why. That's,
0: a, that's the exactly right. When we think of the incarnation, right? we think of, of, of the Word being made flesh. We think of Christ condescending uh, uh, to dwell among us. And, and we see that as a miraculous thing, but we can't fully grasp the nature of what is taking place unless we understand the problem. And, and we see this in chapter one. Uh, uh, Athanasius says in chapter one, here in the book, he says, uh, You may be wondering why we are discussing the origin of men when we set out to talk about the word becoming man. The former subject is relevant to the latter for this reason. It was our sorry case that caused the word to come down. Our transgression that called out his love for us so that he made haste to help us and to appear among us. It is we who were the cause of his taking human form and for our salvation that in his great love he was both born and manifested in a human body. He lays it out clearly right there in the book that the reason we're starting with creation is that this was the purpose of the word being made flesh in the first place. Right. The word would not have the the Incarnation did not need to take place if there was not this problem. If it wasn't our sin, if it wasn't our transgression, as, as he puts it, our sorry case.
1: Right, and that's that's an allusion too. When you when you look at his writing, and, and bear in mind, he was probably very young when he wrote this, so maybe there's some of that youthful <laughs> angst coming out in it. But he, he makes allusions every once in a while when he comes up against arguments that he finds to be silly or he finds to be... Uh, not holding much water he will he'll almost add a tone of sarcasm right, and not that right. there's necessarily sarcasm in this but you certainly get the idea and you get the sense oh he's not pulling punches it's right, our right. sorry case and he says it's our sorry case it's not yours he's not pointing fingers he's saying that it is the condition that we find ourselves in and not pulling punches and even having a bit of 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 I guess a bit of grit to what he's saying there. You're the reason for this. Now it is a God glorifying, God honoring thing that this incarnation happened, but it's because of our sinful estate. Right, right, and we see some parallels too
0: to the uh, the Book of Romans. Uh, Paul in Romans uh, starts there as well. He starts in Romans 1 with the problem. Before he gets to the gospel, Mm -hmm. before he gets to uh, the solution, he first goes through the problem. And, uh, you know, we see that here in Romans 1. Uh, He says, uh, For the wrath of God, starting in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His uh, invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceive, perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Paul lays it out clearly in the opening chapter of of his uh, book Romans that there's a problem. There's there's a serious problem. The that wrath the of, God of God is God, coming the knowledge of God is so pervasive, and it's so... Uh, God, God God has not failed to reveal himself. Right. Not only in uh, in his word, not only in Christ, but in the creation. And it's interesting when we think about God revealing himself in creation, because you and I are creatures. We are right. part of that creation. And so right. even our existence testifies to who God is. Right. And it's not... It's not some sort of arbitrary, you know, higher power. Uh, you know, we can kind of you know, we can kind of sense that there's this greater being. No, it says specifically his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature,
1: have been clearly perceived. Mm-hmm. And we so have, much so that we're without excuse. Right. We were created for something completely different than the existence we live in now. Exactly. We were created to display the glory of God. We were created to to fill the earth as his image bearers with the image of God. That's what we're created for. We are created to put God on a pedestal. Since the fall in the garden, we have desired, and, and Athanasius goes through the rest of his life dealing with this, we have desired to put ourselves on that pedestal. We have desired to be our own God, or we have desired to be worshipped
0: as a creature. Well, that was what the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with. It was, you shall know good from evil and you shall be like God. Right. That's exactly what we
1: try to do in, in everything. And so we see that we have perverted, we've twisted who we are from the beginning, who we were created to be. It is our sorry estate that this incarnation must be accomplished. And, and the incarnation is just a, a, a big fancy word for, for God taking on flesh, putting on skin. And, and by the way, I will make this allusion that, that I think of all the miracles in the Bible, of all the great things that are said. I mean, and there's a lot of them. There's the parting of the Red Sea, there is the Excuse me, there's the the raising Lazarus from the dead. There is even Christ's own resurrection. Of all the miracles in the Bible, the one that blows my mind and the one that I think is the, the, the pinnacle of miracles mentioned in all Scripture is this one, that the God who created the universe with a breath, who formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, that God... Became man, the God man, right? God with
0: skin on, and it's and it's certainly a a, a miracle and a mystery. I mean, we yes. sing, uh, you know, the modern hymn, "Come behold the wondrous mystery," and one of the one of the lines in the in that first verse is is he the theme of heaven's praises, clothed in frail humanity, and th- and that's the reality is that like you said this god who formed man out of the dust himself became man right that was made from the the god of ages became dust be, be, became man took on human flesh and that is i mean that's something that that you, you know really sets the christian faith apart from other religions you know uh, right. s- s- some some other you know teachers and preachers have, have kind of put it this way that you know Most religion is man's attempt to get to God, and yet what we see Mm -hmm. in Christianity is God coming down to man. Yeah, he
1: emptied himself. He humbled himself. Right, right. And became obedient as a servant, a slave, even unto death, death on a cross. We see God becoming man. What a miracle. What a testimony to our need that we couldn't go that's, to him
0: that's exactly right and that's and and that's the that's the primary thing we have to understand at the outset is that if we're to really truly grasp the miraculous nature of the incarnation we have to understand the weight and the depth of the problem
1: mm-hmm. and and
0: going back to to chapter 1 here Athanasius makes a a great Um, A great statement. He said, uh, He said, For the transgression of the commandment was making them turn back according to their nature. And as they had at the beginning come into being out of non-existence, so were they now on the way to returning through corruption to non-existence again. And kind of like you had, had mentioned before is that we were created for a particular type of existence that we don't experience because of sin. And really what we see sin doing is it's not just a, a distortion of our purpose but it's almost a reversal of our purpose. We were created out of non-existence right. to bring glory to God. And what sin does is it denies God the glory he is due and takes us and ends up uh, like like he says here through corruption we are returning back to non-existence. And I think that's such a powerful way to place it is that we are is that sin is so pervasive it's not it's not simply just you know missing the mark which it it certainly does mean that right
1: it does mean that
0: but it's so much more pervasive than that it's actually it's actually reversing our very nature it's reversing our very purpose and it's
1: actually destroying us well from dust we have come and to dust we will return. Exactly, and, and so that is because of our sin. There is a terrible curse on all of mankind, namely the curse of death, you know, and and, and that was not what it was meant to be. That was not how it was supposed to be at all. And in Athanasius lays it out clearly, uh, it says, thus taking a body like our own, because all our bodies were liable to the corruption of death. He surrendered his body to death instead of all. And offered it to the Father. Because our death was so complete, because our sin made death so sure, we could not be removed from that death save for the incarnation. God putting on flesh so that he could come and so that he could take the death that we are due. A death not that he deserves, but that we deserve because of our sin, right? Right. And uh, him coming. To, and I, I, I love, I love how he, how Athanasius throughout the book. There are several wonderful and 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 tremendous illustrations. But one of my favorite ones here in the in the early uh, goings of the book, uh, he he talks about how we being made in the image of God, we distorted that image. We destroyed that image. And he, he paints an illustration and he says this, you know what happens when a portrait that has been painted on a panel becomes obliterated through external stains? The artist does not throw away the panel, but the subject of the portrait has to come and sit for it again. And then the likeness is redrawn On the same material. Even so was it with the all holy Son of God. He, the image of the Father, came and dwelt in our midst in order that he might renew mankind made after himself. And so we see that he comes to take the penalty we're due, but not only that, that the image that we're supposed to bear, but has been distorted, been obliterated, to use the terms from Athanasius might be reconstituted, might be redrawn on the same panel. And what a tremendous understanding that that happens only if the God who created the universe takes on flesh. Right,
0: right. And he he, he lays that out. Uh, again, here in chapter one, he says, uh, we will begin then with the creation of the world and with God its maker. For the first fast Fact that you must grasp is this: the renewal of creation has mm. been wrought by the self same Word who made it in the beginning. And as as you were referencing that that illustration, uh, you know, one of the things that came to mind is that in order to deal with this problem of sin, uh, like you said, the artist needs to. Sort of go back to the drawing board. They need to, right. you know, they need to fix the problem. Obviously, the, what had been created, the image that had been created, has been de- destroyed, has been distorted, has been marred, and so we need to we need to go back and we need to fix this. And one of the one of the ways that God could have done this would have been to just wipe out humanity and say, "I'm going to start from scratch, I'm gonna start over." And yet, in His wisdom, and in His mercy and His grace, He determined to not handle the problem that way right but determined to handle this problem of sin in a way that would reconcile us back to him right right it 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 wasn't just i need to start over it was how do i it was i'm not just going to i'm not just going to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch i'm going to bring this marred distorted disfigured uh destroyed by sin image i'm going to bring it back to its former glory. I'm going to bring it back to its intended
1: purpose. And the reason for that is because what God intended to do in the first place was what he still intends to do. Right. He still intended to create a universe where his image is put on display. And that was his desire to have a creation that glorifies him and that exalts him, that puts the focus on him. And so when the creation itself rebels, although he has every right to come and destroy it. No, no, no. The wisdom of God, he looks at it and he says, I will not destroy it. He says, but you will do what you were created to do. And I will restore you. To that end. And how will I restore you to that end? Through the blessed and wonderful incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will come and he will sit in your stead, in your place. The image will be redrawn, and the universe will again proclaim my glory.
0: And that's exactly right. And and like you said, this is this is what the entirety of the scriptures testify to. I mean and you've already pointed this out that scripture starts with the problem it starts with creation and immediately after creation we see the fall of mankind immediately and and yet immediately after the fall of mankind we have the proto evangelium we have the promise of the the one who is coming to crush the head of the serpent and the rest the rest of scripture is sort of an unfolding of that particular plan
1: and we it, When you see it laid out in those terms, you look at it, and as hard as it is to wrap our minds around, we see that the creation of the world was designed to display the image of God, but it was meant to glorify God in a way that we didn't even see in Genesis 1 and 2. We didn't see how we were meant to glorify God completely until we see Genesis 3. And we see the fall, and we see that God's design from the beginning was to bring us back to Him, to bring us back to that place so that even in our failings, He receives the glory and He receives the honor because He's going to restore us back to where we should be.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this discussion of On the Incarnation and we hope that it has been edifying to you and your walk with Christ. Now, this conversation is by no means exhaustive, so we pray that our discussion sparks meaningful conversations with friends and family as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ during this holiday season. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact us at podcasts at northclay.org. We look forward to learning with you again soon here on The Ardent Archives.